Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode 25. I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. It's chatty, but it's also really informative and it's a topic that I'm very, very passionate about and really trying to learn more about and also implement into my life. But before I tell you about the episode and our guest, I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank today's podcast sponsor. So for someone who owns an online business and spends a lot of time in front of a screen, my Baxter Blue glasses are truly an essential part of my daily and evening routine. Most of us these days are using screens far more than we probably care to admit, from our desktops to our phones to our tablets, our TVs, we're often looking at a screen. And screens are great, don't get me wrong, I love technology, but we also need to protect ourselves. And one super simple, easy way to take care of your eyes is to invest in a pair of non-prescription glasses to filter blue light from digital devices. Now, blue light is the harmful light that is emitted from our digital devices, from the screens. This light can cause our eyes to strain, it can make us feel fatigued, and it can give us headaches as well. Baxter Blue glasses bring relief to headaches and sore eyes by filtering out 50% of that harmful blue light. Their lenses also include a premium anti-reflective coating to reduce glare and provide better contrast when using your digital screens. Now, glasses are a very big trend, and they have been for a while now, and they're not going anywhere. Whenever I film a story wearing my glasses, I'm always inundated with direct messages asking where I purchased them from and they are always Baxter Blue. The whole range is really stylish. I personally have the Lane in Maple Tortoise and also the Lane in Gloss Black. I like to keep a pair upstairs next to the bed and another pair downstairs in the office next to my desktop. They even have mini pairs for the kids. Super cute. I 10 out of 10 recommend them and what's even better is that every time a pair of Baxter Blues are purchased, as a company, they donate another pair of reading glasses to someone who is in need and does not have proper access to eye care through their pair for a pair pledge with Restoring Vision. It's really inspiring to know that companies out there like Baxter Blue are truly creating amazing products, but they also care and they're giving back in a really big way. Their initiative is changing people's lives and they are a company that I'm truly proud 
to align with. Jump over to www.baxterblue.com.au or their Instagram, which is simply at baxterblue underscore and take advantage of my discount code, which is Kylie10, K-Y-L-I-E 10, all in capitals, and save 10% off your order and save your eyes from all of the aches and strains. It can even improve your sleep quality, which you know I am all about. So make sure you jump over and check out Baxter Blue. I hope you enjoy this episode. My guest today, or I should say this evening, is a little ray of sunshine. She's one of those people that you meet and straight away you can't help but feel drawn to. I actually met her at our beach exit one afternoon or one morning, I can't remember, um, and it's been a pleasure getting to know her a little bit. I knew that we would have to sit down and record a podcast because she has so much to share with other women when it comes to living with joy, being present, and practicing mindfulness. Amy Sinclair is a yoga and meditation teacher. She's a dog mum, and she's about to become a mum to a human baby. She's due to have her first baby this October, and she has the world's cutest bum. So Amy, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening, particularly given that you're not actually a night person, (laughs) neither am I. We were just saying this may be a struggle, but we will get through it. But thank you so much for setting aside the time to be here. And before we dive in, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? (laughs) Yes, of course. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. Um, As you mentioned, as a yoga and meditation teacher, um, I help people to ultimately cultivate a deeper connection with themselves through self-acceptance and self-awareness, but also um, help them to better understand the connection between body, mind and spirit and the important role that that plays in their lives. And that's such a huge undertaking, I can imagine. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's really, really interesting. So that's what you do now. What drew you to wanting to become a yoga and meditation teacher? Was there a moment in life where you just felt, okay, I'm called to do this? Or, you know, were you born super enlightened? (laughs) I certainly am not, wouldn't consider myself to be enlightened even now. Um, it's such a great question. I think even as a little girl, I've always been um, a seeker, always felt deep down that there's more to life than what I was experiencing and seeing with my physical senses. Mm-hmm. I kind of was always in touch with um, the energetics of things and particularly sensitive to other people and their energies as well. Uh, and I didn't really have any role models that I could talk to about this. And no one um, could answer the questions that I had about life and what I was sensing and feeling an overload of. Um, And when I was 14, my mum took me to my very first yoga class. And I remember it like yesterday. It was in a little attic of this beautiful woman's home upstairs, this A-frame little room. And she walked up with so much grace and lightness. She kind of just floated into the room wearing all these white robes. And she had long grey hair that was plaited down her back. So like the typical, what you you envision when you think of it. Yeah, absolutely. She was that. Um, And surprisingly, I don't remember a lot about the actual asana practice, the the physical practice of the class. Mm -hmm. But I do remember um, the final posture at the end called Shavasana or relaxation. 
And there was something about what happened or what I felt in that pose Mm. that changed me forever and I wanted to experience more of it. It was finally I felt like I was was in touch with what I was looking for for so long. It was that alignment Mm -hmm. at 14. Yeah. Wow. And I remember driving home saying to my mum, like, I don't know what that was, but I want more of that feeling, that feeling right at the end. Wow. Um, There was something special there. And so she then started to take me to meditation circles. And so your mum was already practising yoga and meditation? Yeah, okay. yeah. She was already attending these circles. She'd always been kind of that way inclined. Yeah. Um, and so she was a really good role model in that sense. And then I started kind of just delving into that world um, as a 14-year-old, but then life gets in the way. You become a teenager. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I kind of forgot about it for a little while in the whirlwind that is being a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 18... I moved to the Gold Coast, um, long story before that, but got quite unwell and was doing everything I could to um, enhance my health and yoga practice was one of them. And so it came back to the surface yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even 18 is quite young to really, you know, feel connected to your mm. calling. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I felt it quite strongly and but had been searching for my calling for so long. Right, and so you underwent training at 18? No, I practiced for many okay. years, um, a good maybe four years before I did my training, um, delving into the so many different styles of yoga as well. And so I was just kind of experimenting with what my favourite style was. And what is your favourite style? <laughs> I have a few, but my number one would be a Hatha or Vinyasa-based practice. Okay. Yeah. Break it down to me. <laughs> vinyasa is a Sanskrit word. It basically means movement with breath. Okay. So it's kind of a very flowy, meditative moving practice where each Amy's flowing and she says this <laughs> she's so graceful like, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> that would be probably my pick yeah amazing mm-hmm. and so then that's evolved obviously into also working in the space of meditation and mindfulness in particular for women yes yeah, yeah. that's so exciting yeah <laughs> so something that I noticed when I read your bio on your website which is love from Amy is that you have a really, really clear life motto that you live by. And that life motto is, I keep my body healthy, my heart full, my mind open, and my hugs strong. I can vouch for the strong (laughs) hugs. You are a hugger and I love it. Um, And you do have just an amazing, incredible outlook and attitude in life. So let me ask, how does this actually translate for you in your everyday life? Like how do you bring that life motto, that value, to fruition you know is it down to your daily habits like how do you live and breathe that Mm, a really good question um and it's exactly what you just said it's through daily routines and rituals and habits to the point where I don't feel like it's a habit anymore it's just a part of life Mm -hmm. um but and I think you share this philosophy as well in that I really believe that our health is our number one asset without that we can't live life to the fullest we really can't live to our potential if we don't have that first and foremost. So um, just like yourself, I do everything I can to um, better enhance my overall well-being through physical exercise and movement, as well as what I nourish my body with food-wise and also thought-wise and the information that I choose to consume that people I choose to spend my time with all matters immensely. All connected. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your habits, your daily habits that serve you? 
Uh, yeah, there's so many, but number one is meditation mm-hmm. um, or even just a simple mindfulness breathing exercise. Movement is paramount mm-hmm. <laughs> every single day, whether it's just a simple beach walk, it doesn't have to be huge, or yoga or um, a workout at the gym. Do you plan how you're going to move or do you do that intuitively and just based off the energy that you're feeling that day? Exactly, very much intuitively. Um, I do try to stick to a routine, but really um, my meditation helps me to tap into what it is that my body needs in that moment because each day is different. Mm. Some days it just needs rest and that's just a simple beach walk or a sit under a a tree. (laughs) Yeah, which I think is really powerful because... I know myself, I'm a schedule, like I can be a scheduler and I'll be like, I'm going to go to the gym <laughs> four times mm. a week. Yeah. And there have been times when I'm at the gym and I'm like, you know what, this actually isn't what I need right now. I would have been better off to take that casual beach walk or to have a life pause <laughs> and just surrender for half an hour. Yeah. So meditation helps you personally to feel more in touch with what you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like meditation is it's a hot topic at the moment. You know, everyone is very big on, you know, sharing that they meditate. And anytime you listen to an interview with anyone who's successful, meditation is part of their daily routine. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of mums in particular aspire to meditate. But for a lot of us, it can feel like this big, ambiguous, I guess, task that we don't know how to do or something else on our to-do list. So how would you, one, explain meditation and two, how would you suggest people could start introducing it into their life without it feeling like a chore? <laughs> yeah, a really big and beautiful question that I think is really warranted and I do feel like that almost presents the biggest reason why most people don't get started with meditation practice is that they either feel like they don't have time um, or that they're a failure and they just can't quiet their mind. That they do it wrong. <laughs> they yeah. do it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so common. Yeah. Um, but going back to where can someone start or what exactly is meditation, I think it's important to kind of address the fact that when you stop to sit in a place of stillness, usually the first thing that we do is we like we set our alarm on our phone for 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we tell ourselves that during that time, I'm not going to think, like, okay, brain, just stop thinking. Which is impossible, right? Impossible. Okay, good. It's impossible. So that's the number one takeaway I'd love people to be reminded of, and it should offer some relief in that knowing that your mind thinks involuntarily in the same way that your heart beats involuntarily. So you're not doing it wrong if you sit down and you have thoughts come in? No. Yeah. No. If anything, that is the practice. The practice is to sit and to simply be with your thoughts. So um, in the Tibetan language, the word mindfulness actually means to become familiar with, and that is to be, become familiar with yourself and your own thoughts and the inner workings of your mind and to ultimately develop a non-judgmental practice where you witness those thoughts coming but then you practice letting them go. So being more of an observer. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then with practice, there will be spaces, really delicious pauses between the thoughts that come and go. But that's with practice and it takes time, just like a yoga practice or any kind of practice. Um, so I think it really helps to remember that. 
It's just like if I was to ask you right now, think of anything, Kylie, think of anything other than a polar bear with pink polka dots. Whatever you do, think of anything other than that. straight polar bear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so the same thing happens. We sit down like, okay, mind. Don't think. Be still. Don't think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then straight we're like, away. oh, there's a truck outside. That was a really loud truck. Oh, no, now I'm thinking about a truck. I suck at meditation. I quit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so I think it's really helpful to be like, no, the moment where the magic happens is where you acknowledge that oh, I just got carried away on that mental field trip with that thought just now. Come back to the breath. And I'm going to let it go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's a beautiful um, quote. I think it's a Buddhist quote that says, I leave the doorway of your mind open for thoughts to come and go, but just don't invite them in for tea. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't get carried away with them. Don't get lost in them. If you can help it, that's the practice. That's so important to remember because I think in this day and age where we do have access to everything really quickly, mm-hmm. people want to be great at things straight away. So they want to sit and be the master of it. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually going to serve you. You need to practice. Yes. And I think because meditation um there's so much hype around it and it is seemingly so simple yeah. that people just assume that they are able to do it with ease and then when it's not so easy, they give up or feel like they're failures. Yeah, or it doesn't work for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it just takes practice just like everything else. And when it does come to practising and starting, is there an optimum time? Like you suggested setting your phone alarm for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. But is there, you know, is it best to do it at the start of the day, at the end of the day, or is it... You know, whenever you can. Yeah, it, I personally think the morning is the best way to start, um, but I am a morning person as yeah, well. Yeah, so am I. Because I'm, I'm like, well, of course it's the so morning, but everything should be done in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but really, um, I think a moment where you can sit and not be distracted, so whatever time that is available for you, I know for busy months it's hard mm. to schedule that time. And just coming back to that note um, on time, I think for a lot of us, especially mums, we can view the practice of meditation as like this, um, like a luxurious pedicure for our minds, you know, that I can only get around to when I have time. Yeah. Um, But it's a luxury, not an everyday essential. Yes. So it's changing up the script of going, no, actually, this is going to fill my cups up so much more Mm -hmm. and getting in the practice. And I read a quote quote recently that was saying, you know, five to ten minutes of meditation, if you can't make five to ten minutes for yourself, that's your own fault. Like, you're in your own way. Like, it's literally just setting your alarm ten minutes earlier. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's incredible that the impact that that has on not only you and your well-being, but therefore everyone else that is touched by your impact that day, Mm. Um, simply by you filling up your cup first so that you can give from the overflow and not be so depleted. Yeah. Um, and it really is a matter of it's it's like investing 2% of your day to make the other 98% better. Yeah, when you explain it like that, it seems like a pretty easy, reasonable yeah. trade-off. And if you're really short on time, it could be a minute. It could be 60 seconds of just me time. Um, there's a, <laughs> there's another saying where if you if you don't have 20 minutes to meditate, you, you need to take an hour to meditate because it's just <laughs> it's that important. Yeah, right. um, I like that. Yeah. And so there are obviously different, well, I think obviously different types of meditation from 
guided to mindfulness meditations to Vedic meditation yeah would you suggest say you're just starting out would you suggest that someone tries all different kinds or would you suggest that you commit to one kind to get a feel for it yeah personally just from my own practice as well I think a really good place to start is with a mindfulness meditation or a guided meditation Mm -hmm. so there's some really beautiful apps out there that um can guide you into that space, especially for people that really struggle with the slowing down of their mind or just sitting in stillness. It can be really nice to be guided. And that's what I used for many years, actually, before I was kind of brave enough almost to just sit with my own thoughts in silence. Well, I guess a guided meditation kind of takes off the pressure as well. Like you would still have your other thoughts come in, Mm -hmm. but it would make it easier to come back to come back because I know myself if I'm having trouble sleeping then I'll sometimes do a guided meditation before I sleep mm-hmm. and I just do that through Spotify I'll just have a search on the playlist and pick one perfect and it's super easy mm. that'd be a great place to start and don't um uh, overwhelm yourself with needing to sit for too long at, a, at one period of time as well um, I would suggest maybe 10 minutes if you're just starting out uh, only because the first five minutes is usually when you're kind of just regathering yourself, your mind's still wandering. Yeah, going the through first... the mental checklist, the laundry yes, list of all exactly. the things that we're doing. Yeah, you're having for dinner or wherever your mind yeah, needs to go. pick up, mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> everything. And so after the first five, that's when you're like, oh, you tend to start to drop back into that parasympathetic nervous system. Your mind starts to relax, your body calms down, and then you can drop into that deeper state of well-being. It only takes... Um, 30 to 45 seconds of meditation before your body will actually start releasing dopamine and serotonin, the bliss chemicals. Which is amazing because we all have that within us. You know, like, and that's what's the wild thing is we all have that. At our event that we had recently, um, Brad Fennell was one of our speakers and he, just like for a minute, asked everyone to just drop into themselves. Just, I guess, spend a minute kind of, guiding us through some deep breaths and coming back to our core. Mm. And there was 160 women and everyone, to my knowledge, did it. And just the shift in the room afterwards, it was like a totally different space after that one minute. And this is what's crazy to me is it's within us. Mm -hmm. Like you can access it. It's just getting out of your own way. Exactly. And that's my favourite part about meditation. I'm so glad that you brought that up is that, it is actually a practice of accessing our own internal well, our internal source of bliss and fulfilment that is only accessible from that place within us. And it's all the great teachers have taught, taught us that over the last thousands and thousands of years is that the, the kingdom of heaven is within. It's just um, such a beautiful thing, but it's yeah. so easy to lose touch with. So easy to lose touch and with. And if you're not, like, you know, we spoke about, if you don't have that role model to show you that, it is easy to be bombarded and overloaded and look outward mm-hmm. for solutions. Yes. You know, whether that's a superfood supplement, whether it's a sleeping tablet, yeah. medication or whatever it is, or looking to fill a void with eating or overtraining or a relationship, mm-hmm. we are all too often looking outward when really should be we should be looking inward mm-hmm. and so you mentioned mindfulness as well and mindfulness is a really really big topic and it's something I know a lot of mums really and just women in general aspire to bring more of into their life because we are constantly bombarded we have our phones 
we have so much stuff coming at us all the time, so many thoughts. When it comes to mindfulness, how do you tap into having more mindfulness in your everyday? Mm. Um, Mindfulness is such a beautiful tool to bring our awareness back into the present moment. Um, In fact, anyone, we could do it right now in this moment, irrelevant of what you're doing. Like if we were to all just take a really slow, conscious inhale breath all together as one, and then an equally long and slow exhale breath. And this time as you breathe in, just feel the tactile sensation of the cool air as it enters in through the nostrils and brushes down the back of your throat. Feel how it dances around your rib cage and your belly. And then as you breathe out, feel the tactile sensation of that breath exiting the body and the effect it has on your being. It's so simple. So simple. And, and, and we carry it with us everywhere we go, our breath. Um, it's just a matter of becoming aware of it and going, hey, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Yes. And I had this conversation with a girlfriend recently because she had seen an osteopath. Mm-hmm. And the osteopath was saying to her, you're not breathing correctly. Like you're just breathing short and shallow. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. We just get into that habit and we carry yeah. tension and stopping to, like we just don't tune in to really feeling our breath. Yeah, exactly. And it's said that we use only, we utilise in our day-to-day lives just 20% of our lungs' capacity. Wow. Um, so just to stop and be really conscious about your breath in general is a beautiful practice to start with mindfulness-wise. Mm. Um, but if you think about the power of your thoughts as well, as you know, we, we think around 60 thousand to seventy thousand thoughts a day Mm -hmm. but the crazy thing is of that 90 percent of those thoughts are the same thoughts we thought yesterday and the day before that just come from our subconscious programming and our habitual habits yes so if those thoughts aren't serving us it's very difficult to make change in our life so the practice of mindfulness to me how i bring it into my life is to become really aware of the thoughts that i'm thinking or how i'm feeling in any present moment time so that i can then make a change to so that those uh, thoughts can better serve me and therefore everyone that I'm interacting with. Wow. Yeah, it's it's so powerful, such a... <laughs> I love it. And I know for myself something, a habit that I got into was being mindful as soon as I wake up. And it's not a big practice, but it's just feeling where I am. So it's feeling like my heels touching the bed yeah. and then like my calves touching the bed <laughs> and like just being really aware of the weight of my body when I wake up and things like that Mm -hmm. it really changes on the days that I really focus on it versus the days that I just jump out of bed and hit the ground running you do have much more of a sense of calmness and it's the same for me something that I do when I'm brushing my teeth Mm -hmm. is like that is my little mindfulness moment even though I'm brushing my teeth, but it's like really tuning into okay, like I'm brushing the back to like <laughs> really just being super present because yeah. sometimes I'm like I have the excuse that I don't have time to sit down and be super mindful, mm-hmm. but just bringing real mindfulness into different tasks. Yes. And I recently spoke with um, Dr. Libby Quinn, and she was saying being mindful in any given moment, like you mentioned, the power that that has to change just like you said not just you but how your kids feel in that moment too Mm -hmm. and she actually said to really look at your kids as if it's the first time you're looking at them and the last time Mm -hmm. and I was like oh (laughs) exactly what you just did like oh like that's that's powerful and that can be a lot of pressure as well because 
you know, we that's a lot of pressure for mums to think that way all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you can have moments of your day of really looking, yeah. you know, like really taking in mm-hmm. what's around you, that intense gratitude for what you have mm-hmm. is everything. It's going to be amplified. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a question that I get asked a lot is about staying calm with kids. And for me, it's gratitude. And that's steeped in mindfulness, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you can't be grateful if you're not mindful and aware of what you've got to begin with. Exactly. Gratitude practice is so powerful, mm-hmm. so important. I call it a superpower. It's, and I think because it's another one of those things that seems so simple and a little bit um, on the hippy-dippy woo-woo kind of side of the fence. <laughs> um, so it could be looked at, oh, yeah, that gratitude thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's, um, he's, believe it or not, there's a job that, He's called it a happiness researcher. How cool is that? That's really cool. Uh, such a cool title. Um, Sean Acor, his name is, and he was talking about the benefits of, of gratitude in terms of productivity levels and exemplifying that for your kids as well and how that rubs off on them. There's so much power, and it, and it really is a mindfulness um, technique. Uh, and imagine if we all taught our children to think of three things that they're grateful for every single day and to express that out loud. It's so powerful. I had a question come through on Instagram and it was saying, how can I make my kids be more grateful? Mm -hmm. And my response was, you can't force them to be grateful, but what you can do is model, like Mm -hmm. just role model gratitude. And, you know, we don't always get it exactly right as parents, but I know that something I've I've always taken pride in is trying to model gratitude. And even recently when one of our little boys broke his leg on the way to the hospital, he said, Mum, we're so lucky that we can drive to a hospital. And I'm like, yes, like, That's yes, he's, he's, he's listening. Mm-hmm. Because even in moments of, you know, say we're trying to get out the door and I drop a mug and it smashes and I've got to clean it up, I'll always make an effort to look at it and go, oh, that's the universe looking out for me. I wasn't meant to be on the road at that time. <laughs> and so I'll that. say things to the boys. I'll be like, that's so good. Like, yeah. This is the universe making sure we get in the car when we're meant to get in the car. What a blessing. Yeah, what a blessing, you know. <laughs> um, it, you know, you've got to choose how you look at things. Mm-hmm. But role modelling that gratitude for the things that come my way mm-hmm. has just paid off with the kids. Like, you know, they're normal kids and they have their moments of being ungrateful for sure, mm. but they'll surprise me by saying little things, you know, or, Mum, isn't it amazing that we can hear the ocean? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so beautiful and so powerful. Yeah. And you can still that in them so young as well. I think it's only going to ripple greater and greater as they go older as well. Well, it has to, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's big. It is really big. So with mindfulness and meditation, mm-hmm. again, coming back to the beginner, we're going to suggest 10 minutes of a morning because we're morning people. <laughs> we're totally not biased. <laughs> and just being more mindful throughout the day. Yes. That's a good place to start. A great place to start. But if you're, if you're really new to meditation and it scares you, the thought of sitting in stillness, mm-hmm. um, a really great analogy I like to use or I teach my students is that if you imagine, I find this really helpful, if you imagine yourself standing on the corner or the edge of a busy street and you're watching the cars go by and each one of those cars is a thought in your mind. Yeah. And know that some days it will be bumper to bumper traffic with just no gaps between the cars. 
And other days there will be a car pass by, it will keep driving, and then there will be a long pause before the next one. And then before you even know it, without you realising it, a car will stop, the door will open and some beautiful being will usher you in and then you'll end up like 17 blocks down the road before you realise, I was supposed to just remain on the sidewalk. I gotta get out of the car. Oh my gosh, what a powerful (laughs) way to look at it. It's so helpful. Automatically though, that takes the stress out of wanting to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. I'm like, oh, that's actually (laughs) achievable. Totally. And it's the magic happens in that moment that you're like, I should have been on the sidewalk. I just got into this car. Silly me. Silly me, let me get out. Start again. I'll come back to my breath. Yes. I'll watch those thoughts. Some people like to use the analogy of the sky. same thing yeah I like the cars it just seems to be because it's taking you somewhere I guess it's it's like it's an easy concept to understand which is what thoughts tend to do they carry us they're like little dictators in our mind tell us where to go what to see what to say how to look how to respond how to engage to disengage exactly they're so powerful if we don't have control over them Mm. they have control over us there's a great saying, again, I don't know who said it, but the mind is um, a beautiful servant but a dangerous master. I love that. A beautiful mm. servant, a dangerous master. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's just a training our mind to work for us rather Not than working us. for it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. I love it. Now, I also read about your 10 seconds to happiness exercise and I was wondering if you could unpack that for our listeners and explain what that means. <laughs> I love this exercise. It makes me so happy just to think about it. Um, but, yes, I came across it while reading Tim Ferriss' Tools for Titans book. I love Tim Ferriss. Oh, he's so amazing. Yeah. Um, and I started practising this exercise. He called it the happiness hack. Um, and all you do, you can do it anywhere, anytime is you pick two people within your vicinity that you can see that can be complete strangers, just anyone like the construction workers. That are making it very difficult for me to podcast. (laughs) Anyone that you can see. And if there's no one in your current vicinity that you can see, just think of someone that you know or even the girl that served you coffee this morning or the checkout chick at the supermarket, whoever it is. Pick two people and just mentally wish them happiness, wish them well. So I just wish you happiness. You don't have to say anything to them. Don't acknowledge them in any way. Just in your mind's eye, wish them well. Mm. And you'll notice there's a physiological state change that happens in your own being in that moment where you start to cultivate those feelings of happiness within yourself. And if you're anything like me, you'll start out with two people, but then you'll do it with everything. <laughs> you're just <laughs> dropping it all over the town. Yeah. And then you'll bless yourself. And, yeah, it's such a beautiful, beautiful practice that really helps you to cultivate, again, that well of happiness that exists within you by simply sending it to another. And I guess that really comes back to so many of us struggle with self-care for ourselves, Mm. but not so much with other people. So it's like, okay, to get to that point of bringing that happiness to the surface for yourself, Mm. if you can almost give yourself permission to give it to other people, it's like a byproduct that you're going to feel that for yourself as well. Yeah, exactly. So particularly for, you know, women who are continually told about, you know, we have to give, we have to give, we have to give, mm. that can be a really nice way, I guess, to bring it to the surface for them in a way that doesn't feel 
like there's friction mm-hmm. yeah yeah that they're going or they're doing something wrong yes. because they're trying to tap into that world of happiness for themselves mm. I love that now we've kind of already touched on misconceptions of meditation would you say that there are there are any other things that people really struggle with when it comes to meditation or is it more just the shutting off um I think definitely the quietening of the mind is is the biggest barrier to people starting and also not feeling like they have the time. But going back to the time piece, on that note, I just want to say if people understood the benefits, I know it sounds crazy, but you take 10 minutes out to dedicate to yourself, the compounding effect of that actually gives you time back because when you meditate, you actually access a very verifiable fourth state of consciousness just very different to the waking, the sleeping, the dreaming state. And in that state of consciousness, your body goes into a state of deep healing rest, which they say is two to five times deeper than sleep. Wow. Yeah. So meditate, like if you invested 15 minutes of meditation into your day, if that gave you 45 minutes, let's just say, back in sleep, then you've already made your time back because you can have 45 minutes less sleep that night because you did 15 minutes meditation that day yeah see I love how practical that sounds mm. that appeals to like the logical brain in me that's like <laughs> you, you know what I mean like the taskmaster. yes so where you can mentally make that trade-off of going yeah I am going to commit 10 to 15 minutes of doing it mm-hmm. but look what I'm getting in return yes and not only do you get deeper sleep you're more productive at work so you get your work done faster um you're much more focused it, there's so many benefits that come from just a short meditation practice that it's just not worth not doing if that makes sense yeah um and so I think that's where addressing the time piece comes in you really do just invest two percent of your time to greatly enhance the other 98 percent of your day and like you were saying before if you can if you can fill up your own cup first in that way then you can be fully present when you come home to your kids in a much greater way as Mm -hmm. well you can be much more present in your relationships the people that are around you are all going to benefit from that ripple effect of that little bit of time that you dedicated that morning to yourself. Just showing up a little more. Your own nourishment. Yeah. Mm. Now, I also know that you love a good book. (laughs) Off the top of your head, what books would you recommend? Like say you had to choose two to three books that are like a must read Mm -hmm. for someone who is interested in reconnecting with themselves more. I know I've put you on the spot. Yeah, and he's like, that wasn't on the question list, Kylie. <laughs> no, there's so many good ones. Um, definitely anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza, yeah. um, Becoming Supernatural, or I really love um, Breaking the Habit, breaking of, being the habit yourself, of Being Yourself, which is a, yes. like, for me, I'm still reading it. It's a deep book. It's a heavy <laughs> book. I have to read like three pages at a time, maybe. <laughs> and then I have to like really think about what I've read. Yes. And then often go back and read it because it's like I love, like I love, love, love everything he's saying and it makes total sense. But at the same time, it's mind-blowing. It's totally mind-blowing. Yes. It's huge. It, and I, I've read it twice now mm-hmm. and still I feel like I need to go back and read it again. Read it, it's, okay. But it's it's definitely a really good place to start if you're interested in the world of meditation and quantum physics and mindfulness. Yeah. And his guided meditations. Mm-hmm are really good as well they're great yeah uh, everything that he does i highly recommend following him and there's one more my favorite um, meditation teacher is called emily fletcher 
She's written a book um, called Stress Less, Accomplish More, Meditation for High Performance or High Achievers, one of those. One of those. If, if we Google Emily we'll, Fletcher, we can we'll put it in the show it. notes. Yeah. It's brilliant. And it actually teaches you step by step um, how to start a meditation practice, um, what mantra to use. She recommends using a mantra. Do you um, personally use a mantra when you practice? I yeah. do, yeah. Is it true that you don't tell anyone your mantra? <laughs> Is that true? No, yeah. If you practice transcendental meditation, okay. yes, it, it's, it's a, top it's a secret. law that you don't tell yeah. anyone. Got it. There is a common one in her book um, that everyone can access, and that really is just the word one zero zero O N E. This is what happens when you get sleep. I know, I normally sleep. Um, but yes, I do love to use a mantra. In, in Sanskrit, the word um, man means mind and trap means vehicle. So it's a, a mind vehicle that's specifically designed to de-excite the nervous system mm-hmm. to help you to access that parasympathetic state of relaxation and healing, deep nourishing rest. So it is a really powerful tool. Um, but if you're just starting out, I find it can be a little bit intimidating and a nice place to start is just simply coming back to your breath and using that analogy of the cars maybe yeah. or a guided meditation. And then once you feel a little bit more confident, then you can get Dipping into your toes more. into some other mm-hmm. kinds. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And now before we finish up, <laughs> there's just one other thing I wanted to add in. I wanted to touch on a post that I actually read on your Instagram account about you and your lovely husband, Ryan making a really powerful pact to one another when it comes to the way you choose to speak about other people (laughs) when you're not in their company. Mm. I read this post and I was like, wow, (laughs) that's, I love the pledge. So tell us all about it. (laughs) Um, It's a big practice. So we made an agreement with each other, which we should just say like Ryan is Ryan's great and he's very into optimizing his life, isn't he? Very much so. He's like very the ultimate biohacker. <laughs> um, Ryan loves an ice bath, may have a giant freezer <laughs> yes. in your garage. Okay. We do. We yes. just purchased an infrared sauna. It's, yeah, okay. it's on. I'm coming to stay. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, we made a commitment that, you know, if you really sit with it, speaking about another person in a way that you wouldn't speak about them if they were in the room, Mm. there really is no point to that. It doesn't serve anyone Mm. except for our own egos in that moment. So the only reason we would say something about another person that is potentially hurtful or that we wouldn't say in front of them is to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And also it's kind of, I don't know about you, but I grew up with thinking that was how you connect with someone. Mm. You get you get together. Great conversation. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it's acceptable. Mm. But the older I get, the more I realise, wow, that's a habit that needs to be broken. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. And so we made a commitment that <laughs> it was a scary one to commit to, that if we were to say something about someone that we wouldn't say to their face, we would have to punish ourselves in some way or another. <laughs> Um, and we don't have any huge vices, like we don't drink alcohol. There wasn't really anything um, other than giving up coffee that was really upsetting to myself. <laughs> Ryan doesn't drink coffee. Um, and so we actually said that if we would say something negative about someone else, we had to actually go to them and tell them what we said. Wow. <laughs> Such a big thing to commit to. Yeah, it was huge and scary. But 
it was a really good practice of bringing, like we would we would call each other forward and be like, wait, 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 would you say that to them in that range? Yeah. And so before we got to that point, it would stop. We would stop. Yeah. And we think, well, yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not going to say it. Never mind. And then I guess it again, it's mindfulness of going. Mm-hmm. I'm only saying that because it's going to make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. In this now moment, but it doesn't really serve the humanity as a whole. Yeah. You know, if my kids were listening, I would want them to speak that way. That's breaking the habit again, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I have to ask. Have you had to call anyone and confess? Oh, I was just trying to think. I think <laughs> a I quick text have... message to let someone know. <laughs> um, no. Okay. We were really so really... pure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like maybe my, I might have said something about my sister, which was an easy one because it was just a text and say, hey, ha, 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 I said this about you, I've got to tell you, but I can't remember the details of okay. it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we were we were pretty good. That's awesome, mm. and it's something that you still, yeah, yeah. do. It's hard. Oh um, I feel like we should put the challenge out there. Let's do it. I will commit. <laughs> I will commit. Okay. We set ourselves a time frame. So oh, okay. <laughs> that, that makes it better. Of six months. Okay. Six months of this of of the actual punishment. <laughs> And then from then we were like, let's hope that it's now an ingrained habit that we yeah. just don't habitually talk about others in a way that doesn't serve them or us. Yes. So after the six month period, you don't have to then go <laughs> sending flowers for the awful things you're saying. Exactly. You would just forgive yourself and go, okay, you know what? I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's yeah. big. So for mm-hmm. those of you listening, if you love this idea, and if you can commit to it, jump over to Amy's Instagram account and let her know that you're going to do it as well. <laughs> And I will pledge to try my very best at doing this as well. I would love that so much. And you can make your own punishment. It doesn't have to be that extreme. That is pretty extreme. (laughs) It's pretty extreme. If you do have some kind of vice that you want to give up anyway, like drinking or coffee or whatever the thing is, maybe you could use that to start with. Yeah, but I Um, think that there's something really beautiful in the whole way of looking at it of going, if you wouldn't say it to their face, why are you saying it? Yeah. And then really sit with that. Sit with yeah. the why. Why am I saying this really? Oh, because it makes me feel better about myself in this moment. Really, why Why does that make me feel better? Because I don't feel enough. Yeah. I don't feel worthy. And it's going to come back to your own judgments about yourself mm-hmm. or your own core beliefs. Yeah. Which is just really big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just really quickly on that note as well, um, evolutionarily, we've evolved as human beings to um, – focus on, pay attention to, emphasise uh, the negative before like the we will the positives. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so our brains are like Velcro for the negative and like Teflon for the positive. I've just slides about this before. Yeah. We have a predisposition mm-hmm. to believe the negative to be true and to almost seek, or not to almost, but to actually seek out the negative. Yeah. Because it's easier for our brains to process that. Yeah. We have a bias towards it. Exactly. The beautiful world. Yeah, it's so crazy. But the beautiful thing is that we're learning now through neuroscience is that we can literally reprogram and restructure um, our brains to seek out and, and be like the Velcro for the positive as opposed to the negative. Through yeah, routines like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By practices like meditation, mindfulness, gratitude. Um, and just like, commitments. Yeah, commitments to, yeah. to like that challenge that we just set now. 
Yeah, um, helps to retrain the mind to look for the good as opposed to what we would habitually look for, um, potentially the bad, which we can't blame ourselves for. Yeah, Yeah, our brain does it. And it reminds me as well, I always try, and I don't always get it right, but I try to look for the innocence, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I want to model for the kids as well. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, if a kid pushes in front of them in a lineup, rather than being like, that's a naughty kid, it's, you know what, maybe that kid is just so excited on the slide. Maybe it's their <laughs> first time ever down a slide. Maybe they've never been in a lineup before. Yes. And framing things that way really pays off. Yeah. You know, even so much so that, again, driving in the car, you have amazing moments with your kids when they start talking and you're driving in the car. <laughs> and, you know, I might say, oh, my gosh, this car in front is so slow. And then one of them will pipe up and say something like, maybe it's their first time ever driving. And I'm oh, like, oh, you little toes. <laughs> Teaching me my own lessons. But that look for the, like, it's the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always a rainbow in the storm. It's just, like, remembering that there is always good. Yeah. There's a reason why people are the way that they are. Yeah, and I can't think of who it was that said it, but it was in a podcast, very likely a Tim Ferriss podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, can't, I honestly can't recall who he was interviewing, but... The gentleman was saying that he always looks for the least creepy explanation, you know, and that's just yeah. it. it's seeing the innocence. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's huge. A really good practice. Yeah, mm. another good practice. All right. Well, I feel like we have covered so much this evening, and I really hope that for those of you listening, it's inspired you to commit to some new practices whether it's your 10-minute meditation, your mindfulness, or punishing yourself when you speak out of turn. Whatever it is, I truly hope you've taken something from this conversation. For anyone who wants to learn more about you, Amy, where should they head? Uh, um, well, I do have a website. It's just lovefromamy.com.au. put all my favourite things on there. Otherwise, um, Instagram really is my favourite place to hang out. And that is just at love underscore from Amy. Beautiful. And I'll (laughs) pop all of those details in the show notes as well. But a massive, massive thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us this (laughs) evening. And you're free to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.